0: Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today.
1: Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eens, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications.
0: Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hubka, a chapter past president and a member of the Pod Squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD.
1: And I'm Leticia Anyago, the 2022 president-elect. We also have Helena Hodges, vice president of finance and operations, as our producer. For this episode, we are interviewing a learning and organizational development practitioner, and educator with over 30 years of experience in industries ranging from manufacturing to higher education to technology services, and the author of The Hard and Soft Sides of Change Management, Catherine Zuckoff. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much for inviting me today. Now, before we jump into our topic of The Hard and Soft Sides of Change Management, please share a little bit about yourself with our listeners.
2: Sure, thanks so much. You know, I, I always uh, laugh a little bit when someone asks me to share a bit about my background, because a recruiter once told me that I have a very quote unquote eclectic background, <laughs> and that that made it made the recruiter's job much more difficult. Oh. And <laughs> and what I said to the recruiter, and I hope that your listeners would say the same, is that I consider my eclectic background to be a strength, not. Only liability and that I only want to work and that I only want to work in organizations or with organizations that consider it to be a strain so as you said I have uh, a number of decades working really leading the learning and organizational development function in some very large multinational organizations but prior to that and this is where I think the eclectic piece comes in I manage the marketing and new product development and client relations functions for an organization that was introducing new technology services tomorrow. I have a PhD in organizational psychology, but also an MBA in marketing. So again, there's that mix. The organizations that I've worked with, as you said, span many different industries, technology services, manufacturing. I've worked with construction, chemicals, higher education. But when I take a step back, I realize that there is a common thread that really ties all of these organizations together, and that's the fact that they were all undergoing really significant transformational change when I joined. And in fact, I was brought on board in part to help shepherd those organizations through that change. So I've had over the course of my eclectic career, the opportunity to really contribute to all kinds of change initiatives. Um, These range from large-scale culture change initiatives to organization-wide technology And process changes to some major and minor restructuring to projects that are as small as we're going to take this group of employees and we're going to relocate them from an office in one location in the city to a new location that's just a couple blocks away. And I've played all different kinds of roles during these change initiatives. Sometimes I was the leader of the initiative. Sometimes I was the change management leader. Sometimes I was responsible for training. Sometimes I was just a supervisor trying to make sense of things. Sometimes I was an employee (laughs) just trying to make sense of things. I will say that these initiatives, some of them were wildly successful and some were abject failures. (laughs) So lots of learning. (laughs) Yes, and I've learned so much from these successes and failures. And so when the opportunity arose with uh, with HED to write a book about change management, I really did stop and pause for a moment and say, you know, there are some great books on change management out there. What do I have to contribute? And then I realized that, you know, I have uh, a lot of experience and a lot of lessons learned from being in the trenches, you know, really on the ground helping to guide change in in organizations. And that's really how The Hard and Soft Sides of Change Management was born. It's really a book that I wrote that at a very ground truth level describes and details the lessons I've learned along the way. I love it. And hey, I think the eclectic
1: background is a strength. I don't think that recruiter uh, shared any good information with you there. No. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I totally relate. I went from violent crime to leadership development to now I facilitate soft skills. Gotta love it. Okay, so <laughs> let's jump into the hard and soft sides of change manage- management. But before we get into specific strategies uh, for that, can you share with us why most people tend to resist change?
2: Oh, (laughs) I have so much to say about (laughs) resistance, you know, and and I I really bristle actually when organizations or when sometimes when a leader says, oh, you know, resistance is inevitable with uh, change. And so, you know, let's just ignore it. You know, it's just, it's mere resistance. (laughs) And, you know, I think that in... Any change that an organization is going through or that a person is going through, even a change in their personal life, even a change that they actively sought out, that they really wanted to see happen. I mean, you know, getting married, going on vacation in the workplace, changing to a new job, implementing a technology that they know is really going to make their life better. In every instance, there is still some element of loss. You know, you're going to give up some freedom. Things may be for at least a period of time less efficient. There may be a loss of status. There may be loss of relationships. There may be a temporary loss of, of feeling that I'm competent and I know how to do my job, that I know I've a loss a loss of feeling that, you know, I'm in the know and that, you know, this is an organization where I can predict things. And so there's i think that that sense of loss is just understandable it's inevitable and that there's so much that we in talent development can do to help the individuals who are experiencing that self- sense of loss but there's also so much that we can do as organizations are planning and executing their change initiatives so that we can help address that sense of loss certainly make it seem that it is you know it's under understandable. understandable. It's it doesn't have to be um, so tragic for people because people do in in some instances experience a lot of change when they're uh, a lot of pain, I'm sorry, when they're going through uh, change in organizations.
0: You know, I think it's really interesting to hear you talk about some of the different components of change management, especially the idea of loss. I know a lot of the work that I have done with change management with clients has often stemmed from that feeling of the loss of competence and the loss of control in some cases, which can sometimes lead them to feel lost in the process, like they're not seen, like they're not necessarily recognized. And so I'm really curious, and especially thinking about the title of your book, The Hard and Soft Sides of Change Management. I got to tell you, the only thing a lot of my clients want to talk about is the hard part of things, the tough stuff. I'd love to hear a little bit from you as far as what it means. What, what is hard change management versus soft change management? And how do those two sides work together?
2: Sure, sure. So when I think about and and when I is when I was writing the book and I was thinking about the lessons that I have learned from change initiatives that were successful and also change initiatives that. Uh, really weren't successful at all, I I see that, um, you know, there were some common actions that differentiated the successful initiatives from the hard, from the the, uh, unsuccessful initiatives. And they tended to fall into two buckets, two large buckets. The first has to do with the hard side of change, which is really just good old-fashioned sound reasonable project management so it's mm. not surprising that that's what your clients want to talk about sure. you know they you know they want to know that we have a, you know a, a reasonable and realistic and very well-defined project charter that we have an out a, a clear outcome in mind and that's so important and and quite honestly you know some organizations really do skip that especially if they're focused on something like Like a a culture change initiative, Mm. let's say, where they say, you know, well, we want employees to feel more empowered to, uh, you know, assist our our customers, or uh, we want more, you know, informed risk taking among our employees. Well, that's that's a culture change, but what does that really mean? What does that look like? And so, organizations may struggle with their change initiative if they don't really clearly identify. What that is, um, if they don't have a clear plan, a project plan, whether it's the old waterfall uh, approach to project management or an agile approach, you know, if they don't have a plan for how they're going to actually carry out uh, and move the organization toward the objectives that they're 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 seeking, you know, having the the uh, the right skill sets involved, employees with the uh, the technical skills and also the soft skills to bring the change about. That's 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 really key. And that's, again, part of the hard side of change. Also seen on the hard side of change, organizations miss it when they don't really take enough or pay enough attention to the risks and the possible flaws in their plans and their decisions. So in my book, I talk about the idea of a red team, which is a team of people that you gather and you get them together, and you charge them with pointing out all the reasons why the change uh, or the decision or your plan may not work. And you know, there's there's so much pressure in organizations to be positive right now on employees to be positive, positive. Um, and it's very easy to fall in love with the your plan or your project. And it's really important to give voice to you know what could go wrong, what. what where are we taking undue risks? And you know the lessons you learn from that may help you get back on track. Um, and finally, on the 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 hard side, it's really having some process in place so that you're pausing periodically to really monitor what are the results you're supposed to be getting? Where are you, you know what's working, what isn't working? Where do you need to make adjustments along the way instead of just plowing ahead when you take a step back, this is just good old-fashioned project management, but it's, so it's, it's, it's really needed for the hard side of change. So your clients are not wrong to ask you to focus there. Sure. Those, those steps have to be done well. On the soft side though, there is certainly a need to focus on the needs and the interests of the people, usually the employees who will be affected most by the change. And, in order for a change to really accomplish the objectives that the uh, the organization wants they need to f- help their employees feel like they're active participants in the change, that they're not just passive recipients of what is happening, that they understand what's happening, um, what's changing, why it's changing, how they're affected, that they understand the steps they need to engage in, to the new behaviors that they need to engage in, and that they feel very confident that the organization will provide them with the appropriate support so that they can Uh, learn those new behaviors, and that they also want to make sure that their concerns and their issues are being heard and addressed. And that really takes a lot of effort toward building a lot of of inclusion in a project Uh, to just keep on, you know, drawing employees at, at every level in so that they can help contribute to the change initiative and make it a success.
0: Oh, I love that, especially the idea of bringing people in. It really kind of gives them a chance to feel a sense of ownership over the process. And when people feel like they have a stake in it and a say in it, they're that much more likely to buy in, I would think.
2: Yeah, you know, one of the techniques that I talk about in the book, uh, and it's, again, it's a soft side technique or, or mm. tool or approach, is this whole idea of transition monitoring teams or change yeah. champ. And, you know, a lot of organizations are using this approach. And essentially what it is, is you're just selecting, you know, one or more representatives from each area, each department, each function that's affected by the change. And you're using that as part of your real, your peer to peer communication you're using them as an internal focus group you're you're bouncing ideas off of them maybe there's going to be a large-scale organizational communication and you have them take a look at it and say how are people going to interpret this how are you know what wh- where are people going to get the right idea from this where are people going to be confused by this you involve them in really the design of what's changing and say how are your peers how are your co workers going to react when they see this when they hear this um, right. you know what do you think we ought to be doing here and but it's 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 bidirectional because it's not just saying well we we're going to share information with these change champions or the transition monitoring team and have them you know bring this information to their coworkers to their peers you want to make sure that they're also Really getting the, the read of what, what's the, what's the word on the street? What's, what's working? What isn't working? What, what are the fears? What are their concerns? And that these change champions are feeding this information back to the, 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 the project team as well. That, that's just one way in which you can, you know, expand participation in a change initiative beyond just, a, well, we have a team of people and they're rolling out something. Okay. that This is so helpful to understand. And I wanted to know if you could clarify for us, you mentioned those champions. Are there certain criteria for selecting an ideal champion? Is there uh, maybe a set of skill set that that person should have? or How do you pick somebody who might be maybe a better influencer than another? Yeah, well, I think that one thing to look at is, you know, who, first of all, who already has a an interest in whatever the change is? You know, maybe they already have an interest, if it's technology, let's say, that they, they already have an interest in what is changing. Second of all, um, looking at, you know, who are those informal leaders within a department? You know that who is it who people tend to go to and say, you know, you t- tell me the real scoop, what's going on, or the people who employ tend to go to to say, well you know you know, what do you think about this? Those are fabulous people to include as your change champions. They're not oh, they're often not you know, the supervisor of, of a or the on the, the, the ground manager of an area. It's often that person who is you know just just really respected by their peers as someone who tells the truth. Thank you so much. This is so helpful. Now, would you mind uh, sharing with us what actionable strategies do you have for our listeners to take today in regards to effectively managing change in their organizations? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I think uh, one is making sure that you're attending um, to both the hard and the soft side. So ensuring um, that your change initiative has both, you know, good good project management, but also that you are constantly keeping your eye on and you're, you're, you're staying grounded in that sense of how do we uh, really appreciate the sense of loss that employers may experience because of this change. How do we build in as much bidirectional communication as possible? As a a talent development professional, I would say, how do you ensure that the inevitable sense of or threat to competence that employees may feel is is something that's addressed? And and that period of incompetence is uh, that you help employees move through that as quickly as possible. You know, some ideas and and some strategies related to that is ensuring that the, you know, whatever training you have related to the change isn't just tacked on to the end of the change initiative, but that you're looking for opportunities to weave learning and and training throughout all of the, you know, just from, from, from the moment the project is first conceived so that employees can see that you are really just giving them and sharing information about the, the behaviors that they need to engage in in very manageable chunks. Ensuring that the appropriate support systems are set up so that if there is a new skill that they need to learn or new knowledge or new behaviors that they need to engage in, if they're having um, difficulty or if they're not quite sure what to do, that there is uh, some kind of support mechanism that they they can call or, or reach out to. I've worked in on some technology change initiatives and some process change initiatives where we set up clinics, basically, where employees could take their work and actually sit next to someone and say, look, I thought I knew how to do this. Let me, could you sit with me and help me understand how to how to perform this better? And that can be virtual or, or it can be, you know, in person. And uh, then really recognizing that uh, there is that sense. Of, of that loss can can be expressed in as resistance. And that, you know, there are steps that you can take to to really basically just ensuring that you're listening to employees so that you can understand what's the source of that resistance. Um, Sometimes the employee may be resisting the change because they have some insight. They have some valid information about something that really isn't going to work. And so it can be very, very helpful to hear what their concerns are and possibly to take action based on that.
0: I absolutely love those strategies, if for no other reason than several of the strategies you mentioned have helped to validate some of the things that I've done. And I have learned a ton about what else might be really useful for starting to manage some of these change efforts that I've been part of. I mean, this has been fantastic. I am actually very excited that we are not quite ready to let you go just yet. At the end of every episode, we like to ask our guests rapid st- rapid fire style questions. So each of these questions will require less than 60 seconds to respond. So what do you think? Are you ready for some rapid fire? Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. I love it. All right. First question for you. Give us one book that everyone must
2: read and why. <laughs> So I recently finished reading Michael Shore's new book, How to Be Perfect, and it has this interesting subtitle, The Correct Answer to Every Moral Question. Mm -hmm. And if you could did did not understand anything that was taught in your philosophy 101 class Anna, when you were an undergraduate, <laughs> or if you thought you understood it at the time, but now you've forgotten it all, this book really reviews the major philosophical approaches and schools of thought that are out there, as well as the guidance that you can glean from these philosophical approaches to making ethical choices, how to make good better choices, whether it's personal personally or in the workplace. And it's written in such an engaging and a digestible and a funny way. Um, And Michael Shore is the creator of the NBC show, The Good Place. So if you you love that show and were sad when it ended, this, this book really continues that experience. Well, I have just
0: opened my app to purchase that book. I had not heard of it, but I love The Good Place. You have possibly made my day with that, as if this conversation couldn't get any better. All right. Your second question is, what is a tool that you can't live without?
2: Yeah, I really... I've learned about the after-action review process probably a few decades ago. It while I was working in one organization, and that's really just a a process for pausing periodically, whether you're alone or with a team, and you're looking at. what, what are we supposed to be accomplishing? What results are we actually getting? What, why are we getting these results? What's working? What isn't working? What should we do about it? What have we learned? And it's a tool that I have. It's a very simple tool. It's it's a great tool for building learning and ensuring that there's continuous learning. It's a great tool for building really respectful dialogue in organizations. And it's a great tool for life to ensure that you just keep on learning from what's working and what, you're, what isn't working. And maybe when I think about it, maybe the book, The Hard and Soft Sides of Change that I wrote was one big after action review of my Dick Decades of experience working on change.
0: That. Oh, what a great perspective on that. And honestly, another reason to take a look at your book. I mean, there's, <laughs> you know, when you when you look backwards, there's always so much to learn and so much that can inform the next steps. So I I really love that. That's a great perspective. All right. Last question for you. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
2: Yeah, I knew you were going to ask me this. And I I, I, I really thought long and hard about this because I, as we have started this conversation, talking about the recruiter who said he, he struggled with my career. I've really spent a career disregarding advice from people, you know, for you. Take, take this promotion, you know, and then I quit and got a PhD instead, you know, take this, you know, here's another opportunity you should pursue. And I said, no, nah, I think I'll leave and write a book. So but when i was very early in my very early in my career probably 22 at the time i worked for an organization that had a terrific stock purchase plan and i i i probably was barely making, uh, uh, my salary was probably barely covering my rent at the time. And so when an opportunity came to buy the, to participate in the employee stock purchase plan, I said, I'm not going to do it. And my manager came to me and said, Kathy, I can't tell you what to do, but buy the stock. And I realized that when I think back of that, you know, that that I, I did. And and then I I tap over the course of my career, I, I found myself kind of tap, tapping into it and using it as sort of sort of just something to, that I knew that I could always fall back on, a security net as yeah. it is, that allowed me to take bold moves in my career. And I think the bottom line was that this manager was telling me see what kind of security net you can, or safety net, you can build, you can create for yourself. And I realized that, you know, it can be financial, it can be relationships, it can be skills that you have, but that just... If you feel like you know there's something I can, I some resources I can tap into, in case this move doesn't work, it really allows you to, to take some pretty bold moves with your life, and so that you too can have an eclectic career. Um, that that you too can give uh, lots of trouble in you and in, in their opportunity in their in their work to try and place you. Oh. Well, Catherine, it has been
1: a pleasure. We're so happy you joined us today. Thank you.
2: Well, thank you so much for this opportunity.
1: Oh, and a thank you to my co-host as well.
2: Yeah, thank you
0: so much, Catherine. You have given us so many ideas and they are so actionable. I'm so excited to take some of these and start applying them to my work. So I really appreciate the time you spent chatting
1: with us today. You're very welcome. And of course, many thanks to our community for listening. Before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges.
2: Are you a member of the Metro DC chapter of ATD? We have resources just for you. Go to DCATD.org and select the Members Only section of resources to access our digital library, member directory, and chapter documents.
0: Want to network with other chapter members? Join the Metro DC chapter of ATD members on LinkedIn today.